everyone and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today we are speaking to John. John is on the founding team of Mantra Dao. He is an absolutely great guy. He's a friend. I've worked with him on multiple product times together. And, uh, you know, we had a really, really amazing conversation about how he got into the space and, you know, what Mantra Dao is trying to do next. They have multiple product lines and they are scaling in a tremendous way. They're really creating some good stuff for the DeFi community. They're pulling up the entire ecosystem with them. So yeah, I can't wait for you guys to hear this. In this again, in case you have any follow-up questions for John, please put them out in our comments, in our socials, or any of the other podcast platforms that this episode is being streamed on. I'd be happy to get them across to John for you. So yeah, let's deep dive right into the conversation. Hi, John. Thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to us today. How are you doing? Yeah, doing fine. Thanks. Been quite the hectic couple of months, but all good on my front. The markets have been crazy. So that's keeping us on our toes, but all good across the board. Yeah, no, but I like what you said in the beginning, right? The market is what it is. <laughs> you just have to sort of keep building. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, we've been in the game for quite some time now, so we're not uh, new to this type of tumultuous market and yeah. volatility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get used to it after being there in the wild, right? Like, you know, the people who just get in, they're obviously very appalled by the kind of fluctuations. When once you've seen like one or two cycles, then this is just a part and parcel of being in the sector. 100%. I mean, it's, um, you got to be able to stomach all the lows to, you know, be able to kind of enjoy the highs as well. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so for our you know listeners, I would love for you to give us a little background about how you got into the blockchain and crypto space. Sure. Yeah, so um, I'll take a little bit of a step back. Basically, when I was graduating from university, I was going to school in Spain, and I was a fairly early adopter of, of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I bought my first Bitcoin back in 2013, but at that point, I was a poor college student. So it was basically a trade-off between drinking beer that weekend or buying Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, not every weekend was buying Bitcoin. I'll just say that. <laughs> and uh, then after, so I, when I graduated, it was the kind of the, the peak of the European financial crisis. And uh, I was looking for jobs. I was going to school in Europe at the time. I'm from the US originally, and uh, there was pretty much nothing. So I ended up going to B school and then B school, I really started getting into the general topic of fintech. So I was always interested in tech, always interested in fin- in, 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 um, in finance. Um, and right. up to that point, I'd been looking at a more traditional path, which I continued to progress on down the line. But long story short, I was you know interested in looking at this from for quite some time. I ended up doing a master's degree in both Germany in management and then in China in economics. Wow. So once I was over in China, part of this kind of double degree, you know, we continued to look at, at fintech, and I became a little bit more kind of engrossed with it. Mm-hmm. Particularly as you know, right around that time uh, was when international people and foreigners were able to actually participate in WeChat or Alipay. Uh, before that, it was really, really hard to actually even to even participate in, in those things. Actually, I think it was illegal. Mm. Um, so, you know, it really kind of struck me about how this type of technology can really kind of like change the human experience with how you interact with your finances and, you know, commerce and all these types of different things. So I saw that and, I was, and it kind of like struck a chord in my head, you know, thinking about how different types of technologies can really impact the commercial use and the, and the kind of the end user. So at that point, I was lucky enough that I was able to get a job at a, uh, a bank in Shanghai called Guotai Junan Securities. So I was, you know, continuing down the traditional path a little bit. I was actually one of the, the first foreigners to ever work for this bank. And wow. um, it was quite the experience. But then I ended up actually becoming part of this emerging technology research team that was focused on looking at all different types of emerging technologies. And, you know, that was really where the kind of the, the conflux of everything that I just spoke about kind of came to fruition. And I was able to kind of position myself to be the kind of the 
the research lead for crypto and blockchain within this little small emerging tech team that was mo- meant to have a global focus. So I, you know, really started just deep diving into all things crypto and blockchain. Um, this is around 2015, 2016. And it was a, you know, kind of a right place, right time kind of thing to a, to a degree. But it, um, you know, after that, um, I started basically writing a lot about different fintech and, and crypto uh, opportunities that I was seeing, you know, participated in, uh, was very early in, in things like Neo, and which was previously called right. AntShares, you know, some of these different things. So that was kind of like my first foray into it, you know, back then. And then since then, I've been involved in any number of different things from crypto exchange business to, you know, more traditional side with a U.S. broker deal that has a license for uh, digital securities. I'm now MonterDAO, which is obviously DeFi focused and a couple different other things. So I've gotten my hands into a lot of different stuff over the years. Right. Okay. This is very interesting. So, you know, initially you were saying that, you know, you were working with a bank, right? And they were already looking at these emerging uh, technologies, like they were looking at uh, blockchain and Bitcoin, etc. then, or was this a tech team that was focused on some other technologies, like AI and Um They looked at everything. So the way China works uh, or tends to work is that, you know, through the central government, they have these kind of five-year plan milestones or kind of high-level yeah. topics that the government kind of sets out as like, this is what we're looking at. And, you know, obviously the market takes that as a signal like, oh, we should look at this too. So, because that's obviously how you, you, you're you able to kind of assess your strategy based off the policy that you, you know, will imagine is going to come to the market uh, in the future, or at least during the next five years. So they had things like, you know, machine learning and AI and blockchain was one of them. And, you know, um, it, I mean, I think smart city was one and, you know, automation and, you know, all, all these types of things that were, you know, topics that are, you know, over the broader idea of kind of emerging technology within the Chinese scope, you know, so I was, we, I was positioned as one of the individuals who was actually looking at that team or within Mm -hmm. that team. And I, I just kind of focused myself on something that I was the most interested in, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. But it's interesting that the way, you know, that, that is the kind of work culture that they embody uh, that, you know, that there are these milestones that are being set and the government itself uh, is kind of encouraging, uh, you know, entities to sort of look at these technologies because that, that the same thing cannot be perhaps said for other governments as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the bank that I was working for is a state-owned okay. bank. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't like JP Morgan or something like that, which, you know, has even had its own you know, kind of ups and downs with Bitcoin and crypto. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so it was kind of interesting to see, you know, how some of these, you know, kind of like very kind of traditional conservative institutions were looking at these type of, of things. Mm. Uh, I'll give a lot of credit to the, uh, to the leaders of the company at that time for looking at this stuff. I will say that, unfortunately, in the end, it actually never ended up amounting to anything, at least while I was at the bank. You know, so um, I left kind of before you know, anything really uh, emerged in respect to like actually being able to act on this information. So, yeah, I mean, that was the main issue, you know, taking it. And I think there was a lot of uh, kind of learning and educational experiences that happened from it, but, you know, being able to execute that, that might, yeah, yeah, there might be a lot. That was, that was the trick. That was the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Execution is always key. So, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, that is the way they kind of undertaken approach innovation. So that's interesting. So uh, moving on to other things, tell me a little about uh, what you guys are doing at MantraDAO and how you got started. And let's start with that. And then I'll ask you about your next big milestone. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So um, Mantra, I mean, we launched what, like almost exactly a year ago. So I think 10, about 10 months. 
um, on August 18th is when we officially launched the token. So we were relatively early to the DeFi game, I would say. We launched in a nice time within kind of the middle of DeFi summer last year. And essentially, you know, what kind of led up to, to Mantra, and it's actually kind of an interesting thing, is a series of failures <laughs> and very, very near misses. Obviously, a lot of this was perpetuated by COVID and just kind of unforeseen circumstances. But right. but it is interesting. And I'm, you know, I'm actually very kind of blessed and happy that it happened this way because I love the project that I'm working on and, uh, you know, the outcome that we've achieved so far. But um, essentially what happened was I was working with the that broker dealer company, uh, Tritorian Capital, uh, which was doing kind of regulated STOs and, and various offerings. And actually we were working on a very kind of high profile deal in the US called, uh, or which was the, 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 um, the contract tokenization for Spencer Dinwiddie, who was an NBA player for the Brooklyn Nets at the time. And I mean, basically this launched like right before the peak of COVID. So um, everything was going quite well. And, you know, we finally had this big on our table and on our desk that we were kind of, you know, kind of going to use as the the champion deal for all of these these future things to come. Obviously COVID happened and, you know, the world changed. So that, you know, long story short fell apart. And, you know, then we needed to find something else to do. So I actually got asked to join, or actually I was talking to one of our investor friends and he asked me just help them start this new kind of like security tokenization platform and ecosystem. And I was going to do this with, together with, with Will, uh, who is, you know, obviously another one of the mantra co-founders. And basically we got to like literally right around the point where we're about to get a, a seed round check signed for $3 million uh, term sheet signed and the LP or would have been signing off on it the night before we're supposed to meet him. He also got COVID. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so, so that fell apart. <laughs> Right. And then we got asked to to run an exchange, and you know, the, again, kind of like right on the the stroke of twilight, uh, yeah. the the funding behind that pulled out. <laughs> right. So it's like you know, within three or four months, you know, there's like these three opportunities that presented themselves that end up falling apart, and then you know, the we were we kind of were like forced to figure something out, and lo and behold, we. We were working together with some of the people from Rio DeFi and, you know, someone had the idea to do MakerDAO on Polkadot, which, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a fairly high level idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we basically took that like very high level concept and everyone's like, okay, you should do an ICO. And mm-hmm. we're like, does, you know, do ICOs even work anymore? Because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. this was before there was anyone doing ICOs again. This was back in like, you know, April, May of last year. Yeah, um, yeah. So people, it wasn't hot again. You know, there wasn't yeah. launch pads. There wasn't any of this stuff. And we went for it and we kind of developed this whole ecosystem focusing on staking, lending, a validator business, and an emphasis on community governance and community participation within this kind of consumer-facing financial product-based platform. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of Montreal. I mean, we basically launched it back in August. Like I said, it was really originally focused uh, primarily on the Polkadot ecosystem. You know, we still are actively building on Substrate and uh, within that ecosystem, we are running nodes for both Polkadot and Kusama, um, but it's just taken a little bit longer than, than what we expected. So we had to kind of build out our, our platform and our products on Ethereum in the, in the short term. Um, so we've yeah. launched a multi-asset staking platform. We have a lending money market. We have a kind of a lottery style product called the Mantra Pool, which takes rewards from our validator business or, mm. you know, assets from our validator business and basically raffles them to, uh, you know, five winners on a weekly basis. And, you know, those winners, in order to enter the raffle, have to pay or spend their own tokens to, to, to access it. 
we mm. launched that. What else have we launched? We have a launch pad, which you guys participated in, you know, and we're also launching a regulated DEX. Actually, you know, kind of everything gone full circle. We're working with the the, the broker dealer, Tritorian, with a, uh, through a joint venture in the U.S. to mm. launch a regulated uh, DEX product, which I think the timing right now for that is just absolutely perfect. We're building and launching on a bunch of different chains, and we're currently live on Ethereum. BSC, we'll be launching multiple products on Polygon, Echo, Solana, and of course, you know, Polkadot and Kusama uh, through a various parachain down the line, whatever that gets worked out. So yeah, so we, we believe in this uh, kind of the multi-chain blockchain agnostic approach. We've always said it from the beginning, we're not maximalist in any sense. You know, right. we support the Ethereum ecosystem, we support, you know, the Cosmos ecosystem, Polkadot ecosystem, Solana, you know, we're not firmly in any one camp. So that's, yeah, that's the only way to grow, right? Like the ecosystem is not going to grow if you're just going to be support, if you're going to be like a Bitcoin maximalist, that's not going to happen. There are so many things, there are sure. so many people that are building on other things and they are doing some wonderful work there. You guys are creating like a huge ecosystem from what I can hear and what I've seen already. I, I would like some, you know, tips perhaps later on how I can manage <laughs> Of course. Uh, but yeah, of course, I'm happy to help. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. I'm, I'm going to be sort of buzzing you regarding this. But this is like, as I said, you know, you're, you're start off with the envision of this entire ecosystem. Like, did you have this in mind when you had started months ago? So we did have a pretty big vision, I would say, when it mm-hmm. first started. I will admit, like, you know, we have changed significantly with respect to kind of how things have actually developed. I mean, that's just a part of the process of, you know, trying things out, iterating, you know, finding what works and then just opportunities kind of presenting themselves. So, you know, we did have a vision, but, you know, and actually I would say that we laid out a roadmap when we launched our token uh, last year, which was basically three quarters. So we had, you know, Q3, Q4 and Q1 of last year uh, that Mm -hmm. had, you know, various things that we needed to accomplish within a set amount of time. And we accomplished basically everything, you know, within those, within that roadmap, Uh, the the broader, larger vision is still, you know, more encompassing than that. I mean, there's yeah. still a lot that we are working on. I mean, we're far, 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 far from where we want to be, you know, not only with the existing products, but with new ones. And, we, you know, yeah. we're always constantly trying to, you know, take community feedback, improve it, see what the market is actually uh, valuing, you know, adding yeah. additional features and things. And, you know, trying things out all the time, adding new chains, new networks, new ecosystems, this type of stuff. And constantly, again, you know, having our own kind of reflections on what works, what, you know, what we need to improve on various products where they need to get better at, you know, how we can have better value capture for the token. The token part is really, really important. It's an interesting conundrum because, you know, the company itself, like we make a lot of money. Um, Mm. We have multiple revenue streams that, you know, even in bear markets still make a decent amount of money, particularly the validator business, I would say. Mm. And, you know, because of that, and also just because of the fact that we raised offering back in, you know, mid 2020, everything is significantly appreciated since then in terms of price. So a lot of the assets that we either received as part of our token offering and or we invested in back then have gone up significantly, you know, so we're sitting on a fairly sizable treasury. So we're in a good position for a bear market, I will say, especially compared to, you know, some of the, you know, projects that, you know, raised when ETH was at 4,000, for example. Right. <laughs> so that definitely gives us a leg up, I would say. But, you know, again, we're far from uh, from where we're going to be and we still have a, a lot of building to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so what you said about, you know, sitting on a good treasury, so that is 
very important like if you're going to be building and scaling a project right that you know you should have that peace of mind that you know your runway is going to sustain you your company strategy will sustain your innovation so that is very important and more power to you guys for being able to sustain it and create these multiple revenue channels which is where a lot of projects kind of i believe fail or right that they are not able mm. to sort of monetize on a lot of multi channels or perhaps scale uh, the project in a manner that they can take all the you know multiple product lines that they've created and scale so yeah so that that is all very commendable now that you know you you, you mentioned in the beginning how covid had a certain impact to the way you can mm. launch the product so now what would you say uh, has been the impact of covid now like especially on your team like is it a remote first team how are you guys managing that yeah good question so we have a fairly sizable team the vast majority of it's been remote actually so i'm based in hong kong the management team is in hong kong and we tend to focus operations here in hong kong but finding good dev resources in, in hong kong is challenging i will say so what, you know we've actually built out a fairly sizable uh, tech team all over the place but uh, you know the core i think would be in australia actually then we have a team a couple of teams across eastern europe uh, we have you know a couple of advisors that help out and support you know locally and also in the united states so it, it is kind of all over the place covid has obviously made you know, made it so that you know we've a lot you know a lot of the people that we work with i've never met before yeah <laughs> at least in person so i'm looking forward for that to change obviously looking forward to meet all of our team coming months you know year or plus um so you know definitely looking forward to that but you know i've always worked on projects that have been like for my entire crypto experience that have been kind of global in nature and there's been people all over the place you know yeah. so pretty used to late night calls and early morning calls <laughs> and uh you know def- definitely was very familiar with zoom well before crypto yeah. well before covid happened <laughs> So. Right. Yeah. Likewise. So I believe that you know with the COVID hitting us, your the one silver lining is that you know you hire and quick from because remote uh, first has become like a norm, right? So you can actually hire wherever good talent beckons, and that I believe is like a big advantage now. Uh, because you know you're kind of uh, if you're catering to a global audience, it's good to have like a global team as well. The diverse nature of your team can actually help the product in many ways. For sure, I agree. And then, I mean, to be honest, like we have products that you know somewhat require, in my opinion, twenty four seven vigilance, <laughs> right? To yeah. a degree, you know. So yeah. it helps me sleep a little bit at night knowing that there's just there's always some eyes on it. You know, that doesn't mean that it's not you know that you're not worried that something's going to get hacked or exploited or something like that. That's always a worry, but um, you know, it's not as bad as it could be when you know you have yeah. trusted people that are 24-7 awake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody or the other is always like looking. So that's like a good advantage to have. So what is like the next big milestone for you guys in terms of, you know, the multiple product offerings that you have? What would be like one big milestone that you want to achieve? Good question. The next thing that we're going to be launching will be focused on the swaps that we're launching. So one is a crypto focused or crypto only swap. I don't have a name for that just yet. We're thinking either like mantra swap or Sherpa swap. That'll be on the mantra DAO app. And then the other product that's a, a big one is Soma Finance DEX, which is the US regulated DEX for crypto assets, tokenized equities, you know, ETFs, STOs, you know, you name it. That's being built and it's actually in the middle of its fundraise or at least the seed round right now. Although that's looking like it's going to be well oversubscribed. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, those are the, probably the two ones that I think will be the most seen. We've undergone, you know, a lot of like kind of a backend improvements on stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so we're launching a bunch of new APIs for all of our product just to kind of help with the connectivity and kind of the, I guess, ability to, to build and, you know, connect back and front end within our own platform, just making it easier and more streamlined and faster and just a bit more um, quality. That doesn't obviously 
show as much to the end user, but it does make the experience better. Okay. So that, that's one thing. What else are we doing? I mean, we're doing, we're launching a bunch of different chains on a bunch okay. of different chains. So, you know, we'll yeah. continue to have, I think we'll be on across all of our products on, you know, four to five different chains within the next, you know, month to two months max. That includes, really as exciting. I mentioned, Polygon, Heco, and Solana. And then, you know, we're building some pretty cool stuff on, on Substrate natively. Actually, after this call, I got to go to our builders, parity builders program call with the parity team. And that one is, it should be interesting because, you know, some of the like more comprehensive financial products are being built natively in, in ink for, for sub, on Substrate. So that's, um, that's also a pretty cool thing that's going to really come in and hopefully not too distant future. Yeah, no, this is all very exciting. You know what you're saying that like having your product lines and on multiple chains, I believe like so much work goes into all this. Like I understand mm. that. And you know, it, you're saying this with completely effortlessly. So that kind of confidence I'm really liking. And I, the fact that you know you guys have such big milestones in terms of launching the swaps, etc. They're going to be a hit. Like you already know it because this is something I, I believe that the market already kind of, you know, there's a niche there and uh, people want this. So uh, whatever you've said in terms of your milestones, it's all sounding, you know, fabulous. I'm already like, <laughs> that, you know, you guys are making, uh, you're creating some wonderful products. And as I said, it's an ecosystem in itself. So yeah, lo- like more power and uh, kudos to you. Now, you know, kind of moving on from your work and uh, getting some of your personal opinion, perhaps into the mm. conversation. You know, I, I, this is like a question that I've been asking almost everybody who's been coming on the show recently and off late. Like, what is their opinion about NFTs? Uh, because, you know, there, there is so much noise. Uh, there was, now there has been like, it's kind of plateaued, but uh, there was like a boom in NFTs, right? Of, uh, so recently, mm. so I would love to know what you think about NFTs personally. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not that it, I, you know, again, I've seen the crypto bubbles multiple times in my yeah. experience. So, you know, seeing how ridiculous that went <laughs> yeah. um, was, you know, I could see that was coming. I don't want to say a mile away, but, you know, well before it happened, <laughs> um, yeah. meaning the burst of the bubble. I do think that NFTs are still really cool mm. products. I think there's a lot of use for them to be implemented into financial products, actually. So there's a lot of different things outside of just, you know, crypto punks or, you know, bit clout, you know, tokens right. and, and whatnot. There's <laughs> just a lot of improvements that I think will come. And, you know, sometimes you got to have the, you know, the crap get washed away in order to actually, you know, get some of the great stuff. So yeah. I still think that there's a future for NFTs. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, mm. But, you know, the random, be frank, not really well done piece of art that sells for, you know, $100,000 yeah. <laughs> plus, you know, you know, I'm glad that that's, you know, not that's the norm anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm also glad. I think that, you know, that it was kind of kind of giving uh, this space a bit of bad name, so to say, right? Already people mm. think that crypto is too speculative in nature. And then, you know, you have this piece of artwork. I understand that beauty isn't kind of the eye of the beholder and people who are buying it obviously are seeing something that perhaps, you know, I, I'm too ignorant to understand. But even I was not very, I did not feel very positively about this entire the, the boom that you know there's that 69 million dollar uh, artwork by people etc it just it, I was not able to wrap my ha- head around it. it it as you said that it's a very very interesting space it has a lot of potential but right now I believe that that potential is yet to be discovered like for day-to-day mm. use like what that problem uh, that you know that is being solved perhaps here that that is kind of you know being overshadowed by all this glitz and glamour of all the money that is being thrown away on these art pieces which uh, again like everybody can have their opinion but I also thought that you know it's just a bubble ready to uh, you know kind of waiting to be burst uh, sometime soon which it did now For it's sure. kind of <laughs> yeah 
So I, I, I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, a real use case, where would this train sort of end up? I believe that it's like a fast-paced going pace train, but where is it going to end up? I don't know. I do hope that it ends up somewhere good. And I believe that there is immense potential here. I, I agree completely. I mean, I think um, there's still a lot of cool stuff that's happening right. yeah. in the NFT space. You know, you're definitely getting a lot of eyes on it too, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, big galleries and from, you know, big institutional players and whatnot. So I don't, you know, again, I think that uh, there's still a lot of room to go, but, uh, you know, some of the more mediocre stuff needed to get washed out. <laughs> yeah, no, as you said, at times you, you need the crap to sort of wash away for you to actually get to the good stuff. So that's like a exact a good analogy in my opinion as well. I believe that there is a lot of potential, but then, you know, that, that entire, uh, this bubble that we kind of went through, that, that could have been avoided. It's, it would have been mm-hmm. better had it been avoided, but then... It's fine. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I, it's, I believe it's a trajectory. So, you know, we went through that part as well. So now on to like uh, my next question. Um, there are so many people in this space and, you know, if, if a newbie is sort of starting out and trying to get into the crypto space, which thought leaders or influencers would you recommend to these guys to start like tuning into to get the right information? Because at this moment, it's very important that people get the right information as well, right? Mm, no, I completely agree. I mean, um, there's a lot of BS influencers out there too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> who just show whatever and, you know, don't disclose anything in terms of what they're getting paid to do so and all kinds of kind of shady stuff. Um, yeah. One particular one that I definitely support would be uh, Blockchain Brad. Okay. I think Blockchain Brad is great, unbiased. Well, no, not completely unbiased, but uh, he is complete, you know, class act. He will mm-hmm. always disclose if he's ever invested anything. He's an educator at heart. You know, so these types of these types of traits are something that I admire. I think that uh, the Three Arrows guys, uh, Kyle and and, uh, and Jew, they have some some really cool stuff and interesting stuff. I like Hasu, who's I think he's a researcher at Paradigm. He has some really interesting stuff on DeFi. Who else? I'm actually just looking at my Twitter line to start, see who I see who I like to follow. Yeah, those are some of the good ones. Yeah. Do you um, like interesting names actually but you know you've actually pulled out some good influencer names and in, as well because usually people uh, uh take a lot of names of founders and uh, now that you know that we have some good influencers here as well and these are the people to look at because as you said that they, you know they are more forthright about what they are doing and i believe something that has been missing off late in the conversations that people have in in the blockchain space uh, because a lot of people are kind of you know promoters or sales rep or they're getting some advantage by putting out that information and some obviously people who come in, who have just come in, they, you know, they can get burned as well. So it's always good to, you know, have like a good balance of operators and influencers and the kind of information that you are assimilating. Obviously do your own research. Good names that you've put out as well. So coming to my last question, John, you know, this is something that I ask everybody that kind of comes on the show. If somebody is viewing in from the outside, so to say, what would be your two cents to this particular person who's intrigued by the blockchain and crypto space, but still hasn't really stepped in? Uh, what would be your two cents to them to start living on blockchain? Good question. You know, obviously do your own research. I think that, you know, you got to start to learn the fundamentals and, you know, it, it does come down to kind of, you know, having a passion for it and finding your passion for it. So, you know, read as much as you can, you know, try, follow people on Twitter who seem like they are key personalities, watch YouTube videos, you know, go to meetups if you can in your country, if, you know, if it's actually allowed. And, you know, reach out to people who are, who are actively participating in this space to see if they can help, you know, give context, give feedback and, you know, share some of their stories. So that's one mm-hmm. that key thing. And then I think, you know, more importantly than anything, just get active, get your hands into it, you know, play around, you know, get a, maybe start with Bitcoin and Ethereum, but, you know, get a wallet and 
know, put a little bit of money in there and, you know, test out these various protocols that you find interesting, because I think really without getting your hands dirty, you'll never be able to kind of, you know, it's not, not never, but it's just harder to catch up because this, this industry moves so fast, you know? So if, if you want to learn to figure out what's going on in DeFi, you know, you got to participate in DeFi, right? So, yeah. you know, get a MetaMask, get a ledger so you can protect yourself, you know, and uh, go play a little bit, you know, maybe you will lose some money. So don't put anything, you know, life-changing in there at first, yeah. you know, but I think it really does come down to trying to participate and, you know, just figuring out what it's all about. And, it, you know, it, you're going to make mistakes and, you know, maybe you're going to buy some, some shit coin that, you know, doesn't, doesn't ever do anything, but yeah. you know, that's all part of the experience, right? I think even the, the best of the business have had tokens that never performed or, you know, rug pull or anything like that. So, you know, actively participating both on your own, for, you know, just actually trying, but also yeah. just, you know, reading and reaching out and just taking an active approach, I think is the best way to get involved. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is very good advice. There's also like a, you know, misconception that people have that this phrase is too tech heavy. And it's only mm. for developers. So this is something that I try to dispel. And every time I sort of go out and talk that, you know, we have opportunities for people from all profiles and backgrounds. The only thing they have to sort of do is be open to learning, right? Because there will be a hyper growth and learning phase when you enter this space, just because it's so dynamic and it's so new. Uh, but it's totally worth it. And you don't really have to be uh, completely, you know, a techie to actually get into the space. 100%. I think that should never be something that, you know, scares you too much from joining base you know um you can come from any any number of different backgrounds and i think you can still be an active solid participant within the uh, within the ecosystem so 100 think that that's extremely important to just you know continue to get out there and uh, give it a shot yep absolutely okay so uh, this has been a really fun conversation john any kind of last thoughts before we wrap this up no i mean really appreciate you know having me on here you know always happy to be a partner to, to you and mohit and um you know we we're we're glad that uh you know, we're able to, to work together on so many different things. Absolutely. I look forward to working together on bigger things as well in the future. And I'm really grateful that you could take up the time. Thank you so much. Of course, my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again for having me.